This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We want to welcome you to this edition of uh, Real Talk. This is uh, one of the ones you don't want to miss, especially in the summer if you're on a road trip. The group chat roundtable is designed to feel like you're just hanging out with pals. Uh, potentially, you think some of them are brilliant. Potentially, some of them, you think their takes could use a little work. But these are the good friends uh, that uh, we correspond with. You probably have the same thing in your own life, right? A group chat where what's said in the chat stays in the chat, but you still trust their opinions enough to... To, to bring them onto a podcast and hash out some of the issues of the day. That's the plan today. The prime minister and his wife, Justin Trudeau, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau are splitting up. Maybe news to nobody, but did you think it would happen while he was PM? Uh, we'll get into that. Alberta shelving plans for a provincial police force. We're going to talk about that. Attendance at K-Days is way down. The stampede is mired in scandal. We'll get to that. The Edmonton Elks. What would you do if you were calling the shots? They're setting records in all the wrong directions. These are some of the things we intend to talk about over the next hour. And I suspect our conversation may move out from those boundaries as well. Depending on what happens in the live chat, depending on what catches our interest over the next 60 minutes or so. This episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at Rello. And you can check them out online right now at Rello.ca. It's it's really, I mean, summer halfway done, right? I, I mean, I'm sounding the alarm, I guess, as if I needed to tell you, though. It's kind of the wake-up call we get when the calendar switches over to August, right? The kids will soon be back in school, and, and all of a sudden, everybody's going to be back in their regular routine. While most people over the past month or so have had vacation on the brain, you've been thinking bigger than that, haven't you? You know that summer's the best time to take that real estate course you've been thinking about to start a career you'd actually love. You can leave cubicle life behind for good with Rello. Rello's online real estate courses are fully accredited to help you get your real estate license in Alberta. You can get licensed to sell residential, commercial, or both real estate. I mean, listen, the opportunity abounds, right? You can get into both with Rello's convenient self-paced courses. You can visit Rello.ca. That's R-E-L-O.ca to get started today. Jenny Adams is a communications advisor at the Adams Agency. Harmon Candola is a lawyer uh, who's had a ton of involvement, obviously, in community service and politics as well at SBLLP. And, and Jared Campbell is, uh, what are, you're a development manager, right, with Aspen Advisory? And it's funny, we should have talked about your lead sponsor, Relo. Like, I just wrote a course uh, through them like two weeks ago. For real? I could have been like, you know, the, uh, yeah, for real. For real, yeah. I wrote the first uh, the first one. I could have pumped them up. We could have done a little thing. You're doing I it now. Like you're you're doing, doing it, doing it right doing now, it now, man. We got a real life, you know, user of the service here. Could speak, you know, of my of my good experience. And then wonder if you've got, you know, like a friends and family discount because I got to take one more. Well, so, yeah, I mean, we could probably do something. I mean, I, I understand. I see right through what you're trying to do right now. You're trying to split the revenue of that ad read I'm, I'm with us. Like I, you know. He's always hustling. <laughs> Hang on. Let me ask you this question really quickly, though, because you've been in real estate and development for a long time. And, and a lot of people might look at Rello and say, Hang on. It's about starting your career with Rello. It's obviously about a lot more than that. You've got years of experience. 
Yeah, I mean, so they do, you know, the particular course, um, you know, to trade in real estate, you've got to take a couple of courses. And so, um, you know, that's not exactly what I do now, but uh, I thought about it. And so... So you're broadening your horizons. Broadening my horizons, taking some courses, and uh, we'll see where that goes. At rello.ca. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff, Val. I appreciate you mentioning that. Uh, We've got a ton to talk about. Probably the news that broke yesterday that grabbed everybody's attention. And and some people, I already know, we'll get ahead of this in the live chat. Some people are going to say, it's none of your business. This is none of anybody's business. What happens between two people and their personal relationships? And to a certain degree, that's certainly true. But Jenny, it's it's somewhat surprising when you see a world leader uh, end the relationship or the relationship they're separating is what they've told Canadians while they're in office. You don't see it all the time. It's kind of unusual. Well, you don't because it can have political ramifications, right? But I do think one, it's none of our business, but I'm, I'm happy for them. You know, deciding to separate is not an easy thing. And obviously this is something that they want to do. I think in a way they can be role models for that modern day family where, you know, how many people my son said to me yesterday, mom, more people get divorced than don't get divorced. Like, why is this even news? Mm. Um, you know, a long gone are the days where the sign of a stable, trustworthy, you know, capable politician means that you have to be have a wedding between a man and a woman um, and you have to be married. I don't think that that's the only symbol of being capable to do your job. Now, if you ask the conservatives, I mean, they're probably in conservative voters. They may feel differently, but he's the leader of the liberal party. You know, they're more progressive. And I think that people have a lot of empathy for them. And I think that this probably works in their favor. You look at the timing of when they announced it. They announced it in the summer, you know, before a long weekend, not on Friday. Friday at 3 p.m. before a long weekend, because if I'm doing that and sending you a release, I'm trying to bury something. Totally. They're not trying to bury something and they're popping up and they're going on vacation next week. So they're showing that they're still this strong family unit. It's all about the kids. And I think the conservatives need to be very careful if and how they use any of this to their advantage. Yeah. I mean, I was even seeing in in, in the politicians, opposition politicians will be especially careful about it uh, because you never know when when you're talking about relationships, when you're talking about anything related to this in any way, shape or form, you also never know how close to home that's hitting other people right For sure. you know in, and, and those that are involved in politics it's better be careful line. you know they never know who has what on them and that and that type of thing i saw, I saw a lot of um and, and i'm and i'm really loosely going to use the word commentators but i'll say like right wing and i'm not talking about like reasonable pragmatic reputable conservative commentators i'm talking about the right wing morons but yesterday they were having a field day with this tweeting every 20 minutes about it and pushing out content and trying to get clicks i mean this is the biggest story that they've had all summer. I saw one hot take, which just made me laugh out loud. Somebody said, if he can't keep his family together, how's he going to keep the country together? Ooh. And I went, that is the most <laughs> elementary understanding of this issue that I could possibly imagine. Do you think that the split could hurt the prime minister politically, Harmon, next federal election or between now and then? I think you know people understand that being in public life and being in politics is very difficult on personal relationships. You know, we've seen really high profile breakups in the past in politics that don't seem to have really damaged or hurt, you know, a lot of brands. Um, I, yesterday, as soon as the news broke, you know, the first person I thought about was, uh, you know, Peter McKay in, in, in you know, on his Blindistronic, farm. Yeah. And I was like, you know, how, how soon will I see, you know, uh, photos of a forlorn Justin Trudeau, you know, on a beach in Tofino. Um, and the liberals try to use this to their advantage. Uh, as much as, uh, you know, maybe the opposition uses it, I, I could see, um, you know, and again, it, maybe I'm being overly cynical, uh, but 
I think Justin Trudeau knows how to play. Uh, oh, we've got Peter McKay. <laughs> we just called up sad Peter McKay for you. <laughs> and I will always remember sad Peter McKay. And I, I felt very uh, sad for Peter McKay when this happened because, I mean, Stronic had crossed the floor and uh, broken his heart. But uh, no, I, I think, you know, for, for most people, like Jenny said, you know, I, more people get divorced than not. Um, I, I don't think this is going to be a salient issue in the next election. Um, but it's interesting to watch conservatives try to warn each other not to say anything about this because they know how bad this will look if they try to use this against the prime minister. But mm. sorry, JC, can I just bring up, have you looked at Pierre's, um, his Instagram lately? I haven't. And yesterday it was brought to my attention. He's only wears like tight black t-shirts now mm-hmm. and he yeah, doesn't wear his glasses. Yeah, he he a got makeover. a makeover. Like he's makeover. trying. So I can only imagine now how Pierre's going to step it up Pierre. with like, you know, single prime minister, which I, you know, is not my thing. Mm-hmm. And then Pierre, like, this is just going to be like, <laughs> have you, have you seen, I mean, the, the, some of the, some of the photos of Pierre Polyev and I don't have one handy here. I'll see if I can find one, just but, but Google, but, sexy but it, Pierre. well, but it Polyev, looks, it, it looks like he's wearing a girl here he is well, under we, his oh, t-shirt no way, really. so yeah, yeah so, so he looks completely different yeah he's not I mean, that nerdy he's lost the glasses anymore. they're trying to make him yeah a little more savvy he's smiling a little bit more yeah the question is can you and and obviously the goal you are a communication strategist they're trying to make him more likable more right? likable more attractive more yeah um but those tight t-shirts like it's yeah. Is something. it working on you? No. Like, look at my face. <laughs> well, I'm you just didn't, you didn't finish know, the sentence. I, I was just, just wondering where I'm that was to going. Be polite. Um, anyway, JC, back to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, again, I actually thought the, the reaction yesterday was pretty muted. You know, everybody knows this is, you know, politics is hard, right? And there's, you know, politicians across the floor all understand, like, man, it's hard on families, right? That's, you know, when you talk to people who, you know, they're, hey, you know, I was thinking about running for, for federal politics, especially folks in Edmonton, right? It's like the number, the first thing you have to ask somebody who's thinking about it is like, do you know how hard this is going to be on your family, right? Like, you know, it's hard when you're out east, but when you're out west, it's even harder, right? Because now you're, you're you travel you know, the time the zones. Side, time zones, you're on the other side of the country. And so, yeah, you've got the right wing idiots, but, you know, they're, they're not going to swing the election. They were going to say anything, um, you know. It didn't matter what was going to happen anytime, anytime they can take a shot at Trudeau. But I think the average Canadian will really not think that's very, you know, like Harmon said, people were like, don't say anything. Right. And yeah. So, but uh, I will say the, um, the funniest tweet I saw, and I don't, can I swear yeah. on, can I swear on air? Yes. So, uh, you see a lot of trucks around yes. Alberta. With, oh, uh, oh yeah. I sent that. <laughs> I know that, this is that, was, that was amazing. <laughs> I was F Trudeau. They, 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 it doesn't say F. It says the F word. F Trudeau. It says fuck Trudeau. Yes. And all I'm saying, all those guys with the pickup truck, Now's your chance. Now's your chance. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I learned so something good. yesterday that I had no idea about. And uh, and there was a piece. Uh, Tyler Dawson wrote it in the National Post. And I and I kind of went when I saw the headline. And I like Tyler a lot. And I like his work. And he's been on the show. But I'll be honest. I, I judged his work for a second. And, and I'm going to own up to it right now. Because the headline read something along the lines of, you know, post split. Will Sophie Gregoire Trudeau keep the surname or keep the Trudeau? And I went, this is where we're focusing today. But Tyler's a sharp guy, and he knew about something I didn't know. Did you three know that the 1976 Quebec Charter of Rights outlined the passage of a 1981 provincial law intended to promote gender equality? With this law, since 1981 in Quebec, a woman's maiden name remains her legal name after marriage and cannot be changed without the authorization of the court. I had no idea so actually, it turns out in Quebec, it was actually quite controversial when she started hyphenating her last name to Gregoire Trudeau. I had no idea about that. 
kind of interesting. I did know because my family's from Camelton, New Brunswick, and it's right okay. across the river from Quebec. So I've had those conversations with my mom just about Quebec. But yeah, yeah it's interesting. So what if we'll what have the three of you seen? You're just back from a from a wedding, which is awesome. You were over in Europe, mm, a beautiful wedding. People that follow you on Instagram already know that. Um, have you seen a trend of friends that have been married? recently or more recently um with one partner either keeping their as we call it the maiden name sounds like such a weird thing to say it's like it'll go the way of master bedroom yeah we'll stop stop saying you know but like keeping you know keeping your name keeping your name why don't we just say that well i kept my name but i wanted to change my name okay if i got married again i would consider changing my name your personal choice yeah it's my personal choice yeah I like the tradition of that family unit. Mind you, I'm quite attached to my name. And my ex-husband's last name has 13 letters in it. It's a tough one to say. So even he's like, do not change your name. But I always <laughs> wanted to as a girl. I don't know. But yeah. you know what? I changed my mind going forward. It's too early to. My wife, Carrie, kept her. I mean, she's she she has a brand and she's a public facing person. So she kept her name. Uh, but legally, she changed her name, which is kind of interesting, mm. though she never uses it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's interesting, too. Have you guys noticed that at all or seen that as a trend? Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's a trend, right? It's I, not I, been I, on I, your I radar. Just, like, I got like Are one group of married? friends. You, see? Uh, you know, probably at some point. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if it's a trend or not, but yeah, certainly there is. Would you care? Um, no, either way. Care? Herman, no, would you man, care? Totally, totally the choice. No, is it a cultural <laughs> thing? Would you care? You know, I, I don't think I've ever put too much thought to it. Uh, I, I think definitely, you know, you see it uh, more often with people keep keeping their last name. Um, you know, individual choice. Uh, so I support people making whatever choice they want to. Okay. That was a very safe was answer. So I know. Did Sonia change her last name? From the yeah, lawyer at the round table. Uh, the Alberta government, uh, not part of the mandate to the justice minister, but uh, looks like plans for a provincial police force uh, are going to be shelved. At least that's what news outlets are reporting. It doesn't look like it's it's um, a top priority for, for the United Conservatives under Danielle Smith, the NDP, Rachel Notley, saying that this is a good thing. Uh, but Justice Minister Mickey Emery said uh, yesterday, or rather Tuesday, a couple of days ago, the idea is not dead, uh, says his department will continue to consult with Albertans on where they want to go with policing. Uh, looks like the pension plan idea is still alive, and the mandate letters uh, indicate that. I- is it a good idea, Harmon, for Alberta to step away or press pause on plans for provincial police service? How do you feel about it personally? Well, I, you, you look at the federal government trying to reevaluate the role of the RCMP generally. So there is some merit to considering the idea of a provincial police force. We've seen across the country that there's been a lot of dis- debate about replacing the RCMP in different areas or in different municipalities. You know, I know that Surrey has got an ongoing battle about whether they're going to be, yeah. you know, keeping the R- RCMP or doing their own police force. Um, and there's there's so much there because we've seen this increase in violence and um, in, in that case, you know, you've seen a lot of uh, gun violence and gang violence. Uh, so how do we address certain issues? I mean, I, I think back to a report done that talked about some of the most violent, you know, extremism that happens in this country is happening in rural parts of Alberta. You know, when you talk about uh, white supremacy and white nationalism, you know, and is the RCMP equipped to actually deal with this in areas where they may only have, you know, one officer, right? And so there is this, you know, idea of, well, how do we allocate our resources, but how do we actually address some of the challenges that we're facing uh, in a more effective way? So having a conversation about what the best method to do that, obviously there's concerns with the criminal justice system that are outside of your police force, but is the RCMP actually positioned to deal with some of these issues? Those are valid questions. Let's also point out though too, and and, and I appreciate what you're saying and they're, they're good points, but you, you say, well, yeah, I mean, is the RCMP equipped to do this in an area where they may only have two or four or six 
officers and maybe not just four on duty, maybe four total in some communities. We'll hear from real talkers. I guarantee bringing this up right now, we'll hear from people that'll say, you know, we called in an active B&E and they showed up 55 minutes later. I mean, that type of thing, two hours later after whatever. But to imply that just by introducing a provincial police force that all of a sudden there's going to be 45 officers out of every detachment well-funded with everything they need, uh, there's two conclusions there. Either one, not realistic, not happening, or number two, that's going to cost a shitload of cash. Right. I mean, those are the only two options, which is probably why they're stepping away from it. They, they you know, to, to really fix the issue, you've got to have a bunch of money. And, you know, the federal government currently subsidizes it, uh, the RCMP. So, you know, if you did nothing else but keep the same number of folks there, you would need to come up with a bunch more money. And that's where the Rural Municipalities Association, you know, they're saying, well, who's going to foot the bill here? And, you know, they probably said, well, you know, what do we want to take on this issue, right? If this is so hard to police in these rural areas because of just the, you know, how the low population density, nobody's around, you know, this is where our base lives. Is, is this something we want to step in? Well, and and probably they, not. They probably said, no, it's too, too expensive to actually do it well. It's better for us to just have it continue on and blame Ottawa. And when the UCP was formed and in the last couple of elections, rural crime was such a major issue. And I'm not saying it's not now, but let's fast forward to today. And violent crime is such a major issue. And I don't blame them for pausing it because this is the number one issue at task across Alberta. You know, we keep in our cities, you know, especially I find in Edmonton, we're confusing the two issues when we talk about all the crime that's happening in Edmonton right now. It's it's incredible. It's extremely frightening, if you ask me. Stranger on stranger has gone up. The poor Chilean woman who was attacked on the LRT. And every time we bring it up, the mayor talks about how we need mental health help and how we need housing, which we absolutely do. But it's a separate issue from the violent criminals that we have that are getting out of jail because of the bail reform that happened a couple of years ago. And we need that bill to be passed federally. That is the number one issue that I think we all need to be um, you know, focusing on to get our communities at least in the right direction, completely separate. It's not homeless people who are coming out and attacking people on, a, on an LRT or people who are experiencing houselessness, excuse me. You know, it's not just people with mental health problems. It's these violent criminals who were let out of jail and are immediately going back. They have homes. You know, they're on house arrest. They call it house arrest for a reason. And they're coming out into the community. So that federal government really needs to step up. And our mayor did send a letter and he did, you know, put a little bit of pressure on the feds, which I thought was great because he was actually a federal liberal when, you know, this bill was passed um, in 2019, 2018, 2019. Voted so on the third reading. Yeah. So, so he voted for it. But, any, but, you know, we need the feds to come back from their summer holiday and pass this. This is a very, very serious issue and we need to. So going back to your question, are we surprised? Well, I'm thank God that they've put that on pause because we have a much bigger issue right now. And it's not just a matter of reforming something that would take years. It's we need the bail reform to happen and we need it to happen today. Like things are... Well, and I think JC, the, I feel like she's fear mongering a bit here. I'm not, fear, she, am I fear mongering? Maybe fear mongering a little bit. Maybe a little bit. There was a but, random shooting at the end of my street in West Edmonton, like what, two well, weeks ago, but, where the person just drove around the city shooting people? Like, this isn't just yeah, happening in downtown I mean, Edmonton. There's a couple things going on, right? You know, so one is, you know, we are in a region of 1.4 million people, and there will always be crime, there will always be bad things happening. And, you know, it is important to put that in context, like you were not going to get away from it. And so if you find yourself in the last few weeks seeing that there are a lot more stories in the news about crime, it may in fact be because there's more crime or it may in fact be because the Edmonton Police Service has a funding conversation coming up in front of city council on August 22nd. And it wouldn't be such a bad thing for them in advance of the August 22nd conversation for a few more stories to get to the right people so to make sure they're being covered. So you're saying this is just politics. I'm not saying it's just politics, but I think it's probably a mix of both. I think it's probably a mix. I, I agree with you on that, certainly with some, I mean, 
I agree with you. Like, but the, you know, the, the the chief has now had two very aggressive press conferences in the last few weeks, and you know, and I'm and I'm not saying that there isn't a you know tragedy and that there isn't crime happening, but it's just a little convenient that it became so hot right before a funding conversation. Well, if you're going to strike, they're the only they're the only uh, service in the world, right? You know, crime goes down. We're the best police. Crime goes up, and we oh, well, we need more money. It's like, well, aren't you the guys that are supposed to stop crime from going up? Like. Where's the accountability? If what were you guys it, doing? If only it was that simple, JC. If it's only if simple. it was that simple. What do you right? think? What's he oversimplifying specifically? Well, he's oversimplifying that the police are saying if we had more people, we'd be able to fix everything. Well, that's not just it. Like we could put a million police officers on the street and we're still stuck with these violent criminals who are being let out of jail early. We still have a massive mental health problem. We still have a housing crisis. It's not just as simple as giving us more police but officers. That's that what being the chief said, is saying. Though. I'd like to see more. Like I would certainly like to see more presence, especially downtown. You know, we talk about downtown. We have this conversation, you know, with, with the city and with the downtown recovery coalition. And it's like, well, you know, we're, we're doing what we can do and the whole city has problems. But the thing with downtown that people need to realize is that it's 18% of our tax base. So if we let downtown go to hell and we let it just become chaos and no one wants to come here and the valuations of our towers, JC, you know, they've gone way, way down and we don't get the tax revenue from the towers and the businesses downtown. That spreads to every single Edmontonian. Our taxes are going to go way up and we're not even going to be able to afford to contribute to the housing crisis or to the mental health crisis or to bike lanes or the environment. Like we have very serious, we need to get very focused on how we're approaching this. You know, I you, you brought up, um, and you're a communication strategist, so I especially want to pick your brain on this. You you, you mentioned this this Chilean visitor, this 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 uh, senior that's visiting family here in Edmonton, visiting from Chile. Uh, her name's Iris Ortega. Uh, she, with her sister, I think it was, they wanted to ride the LRT as visitors would do. We're going to take public transit. We're going to explore the city. She's knocked out unconscious on the train. Uh, her nephew now, Carlos Enriquez, is demanding that uh, he wants the video released. Uh, this is something that obviously their family is taking very seriously. Somebody knocked out my mom or my aunt. I would be uh, like, I'm not even going to say what I would do because that would make me part of the problem. Um, but uh, the point is, uh, it's it's horrific for this family. It's brutal for this lady. It's yet another story that's in the headlines. That's in the national news. So you as a comm strategist, uh, if, if, if you are working for the mayor or if you're working for the downtown business association or if you're working for the chamber of commerce or if you're working to preserve or improve Edmonton's reputation, where do you start with this one? Because because it seems like, yeah, a city of 1.4 million people. I agree with you, JC. There's always going to be bad actors. There's always going to be crime. We're not naive. I mean, crime happens and, you know, we get the mayor of Alberta Beach in here and she'll talk about crime they experience with 7,000 people or whatever the, the fact is. But where does the messaging start or how do you approach it? Well, if I'm the current mayor's office, I redirect back to a different level of politics and say that we need help with housing and mental health. That's what's what's happening is it's the redirect of the politics. If I'm part of the DBA or I'm part of the chamber or I'm part of Edmonton's reputation, I want to show action. And I did say this to the mayor and to everyone who are all working very hard. This isn't an easy thing. But while we're trying to solve these massive issues, we need to move the needle in other ways. What's the low hanging fruit? How can we, you know, 2.5 dollars was put towards garbage pickup. Where is the garbage pickup happening? How can we improve things that are easier to do than solving mental health crisis and solving changing bail reform? These are massive issues, but at the same time, we can be doing this small tactical stuff and show that we care and everything we're focused on is focusing on show the sense of urgency, uh, show, you know, give our businesses some, a lift up, show investment, do investment in, uh, incentives, tourism, like everything, all the only thing I ever 
here is that we need help with mental health, health uh, housing and violent crime. That's very, very serious. But what's the low hanging fruit that we can be doing at the same time so we can talk about the action that's happening to keep people safe, to bring people to back downtown to work? Who wants to come back downtown to work? Let's not even talk about our visitors and our reputation, you know, uh, internationally or nationally. Yeah. We just need employees to come downtown, but they can't afford to ride. Or they can't ride the LRT. I'm not putting anyone in the LRT, so you don't blame them. Jillian right now says our kids uh, have loved riding the train, but it's a no-no right now. Uh, she goes on to say, by the way, it's almost like cuts to mental health, safe injection and poverty supports have had consequences. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about that attack on the LRT. They heard about it. Cheryl says, ask the Edmonton Fire Department about their opinion about Edmonton police. Um, interesting. Uh, police and fire have always had a bit of a rivalry, but maybe it goes deeper than that. Edmonton Fire has got its own huge mess right now. Um, and people are talking about a change at the top there. I had a firefighter stop me, would never identify who they are. Uh, I was walking my dog and he said, you got a second to chat? I said, always. He said, I'd love for you to do a story on how we're reporting our statistics. I said, what are you talking about? He says, 911 calls right now. He said, all we respond to is drug poisonings. He said, that's all we respond to. But he said, you know what? You know, he said they're categorizing them now as unconscious, choking, unknown, medical incident, person in crisis. I said, what do you mean? He says, they're spreading it out. He said, they're spreading the statistics out so it doesn't look so bad. So that's something that's on our radar as well. And I always appreciate when people take the time on or off the record to provide us with information that can be verified so we can present it to our audience so we have a more fulsome understanding of the issues that affect us. We're talking to Harmon Candola, Jarrett Campbell, and Jenny Adams. This conversation is presented by Real Talk sponsors. Like the group, uh, Canada's six largest oil sands companies that right now are acknowledging, yeah, oil sands operations contribute significant carbon emissions in Canada. And that's why the six largest companies are working together and with governments. You heard, you heard uh, Minister Stephen Gilbo, you heard Minister Randy Boisneau, you heard Mike Lake, Conservative MP, talking about this a couple of weeks ago on Real Talk. They're taking strides on the path to net zero from their oil sands operations. Now, part of that plan includes developing a proposed carbon capture and storage network by 2030. It's going to be one of the world's largest. You can learn more today at pathwaysalliance.ca. Are you a professional engineer looking for a change of pace? Maybe you're just sick and tired of the projects they've got you on. Maybe you don't like the leadership of your company. You don't feel motivated. And, and hey, you're definitely not going to reach your professional potential in your current situation. Take two minutes today to check out apexautomation.ca. Why? Because they're hiring. And right now they're hiring across the board. If you're a PNG, they want to talk to you. You want to work in BC? You want to work in Alberta? You want to work down in the Lone Star State where they've just opened their brand new field office? Congratulations to Apex there. If you're an electrical instrumentation, computer science processor, mechanical engineer, Check out the careers link today at apexautomation.ca. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to remind you that you're, you're getting toward the end of the opportunity to qualify for this Ivan's Sausage Contest. It's an Ivan's Sausage Summer. They're celebrating this iconic recipe that was developed by, well, one of their most beloved team members. He, he was a he was a butcher down in Hinton. Al, he was born, rather, in, he was in Hannah, Ivan Fano. And 
uh, of course, the Friesen Brothers in Hinton and Fort Saskatchewan and Stony Plain and South Edmonton and all the Friesen Brothers, all 16 locations right now, are proudly presenting his special recipes. Now, you have a chance to win a special Ivan's Freezer Pack by submitting a photo showing how you most enjoy Ivan's Sausage. You can find out the details online at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. And hey, while we're talking about personal betterment, new opportunities, maybe bolstering your career, giving it a shot in the arm, why not check out what's going on today at Athabasca University? You say, I'm not thinking about university till the fall. I've still got another month. Well, here's the deal. At Athabasca, you dictate the course of your studies. You dictate the pace at which you complete your course or maybe a full degree program. It's a schedule developed by you that suits your lifestyle. Probably the best part about it, you're only mute is to your device. That's why tens of thousands of students trust AU for their post-secondary experience. You can get started on the admissions process. You know, if you're 16 years of age or older, you're virtually guaranteed admission. How cool is that? It's another one of the things that sets AU apart at AthabascaU.ca. Hanging out with good friends of mine, members of our uh, group chat, uh, Jarrett Campbell, Harmon Candola, and Jenny Adams. Uh, obviously, uh, pretty big news out of Calgary, the Calgary Stampede this week, acknowledging uh, negligence and um, basically uh, an about face uh, for an organization that uh, for quite some time, at least 10 years, has said that it had no knowledge of and would take no responsibility for a sexual abuse scandal that spanned more than 25 years. Uh, a man by the name of Philip Hirma, who was overseeing the Young Canadians, or rather he was a, a in a significant leadership role uh, with the Young Canadians, more than 70 people involved in a class action lawsuit, uh, the terms of which have not yet been announced, awaiting a court date at the end of September. This is a cover-up. No matter which way you slice it, people knew about it and did nothing about it. And uh, Jenny, from my seat, the, the way I see it, a lot of people, especially the loudest voices or typically the loudest voices in Calgary have gone radio silent on this one. How bad is this? Oh, it's, you know, the the only saving grace I think that they have is this is coming up so often lately. Like so many different organizations are dealing with this. This one is so bad. And the thing is what I want to say to people and I want to say to organizations, the truth is always going to come out. So don't try and hide everything, anything. In this day and age, we always say the truth is going to come out. So trying to hide something is only going to make it worse. But you know what doesn't surprise me is that they did try and hide it because the conversations I've heard recently is, well, why does it matter? And I'm not talking about Calgary. I'm just talking in general because we have a lot of these different, you know, um, sexual incidences coming up all over the place. And why does it matter? Why should we do anything? Why is it, is it going to change anything? You know, why can't we just let this slip this one under the rug? What's the big deal? It People wasn't that bad. Oh, it, it wasn't that bad. She was fine. They were fine. And I'm like, but you weren't the person, you know, it, it's gotten a bit personal in our group chat, JC and I, we did, I said, I actually had to say, you need to stop, Jared. What were we arguing about again? We were arguing about, oh, the Elk CEO. Should I just, should I bring it up? The Elk CEO? Yeah, this is how it started. The tweet oh. that on opening night, there was so many amazing things happening at the Elks and he happened to said, you know, um, here's a picture of him and Evander Kane and how great Evander Kane is and this and that and, and, and Evander Kane this and that. And I was upset and I said, you know, why do so many of these big organizations have to step in front of and try and help somebody who may or may not have allegedly have this really, you know, not a great past, especially when it comes to women and domestic violence. Again, nothing has been ever charged and so it's just a lot of information that's out there and so we were having this back and forth conversation and then you went on 
I, and defended. Well, the, I mean, the, like you said, you know, so so is somebody who may or may not have done something in the past suddenly kind of just like, well, he might have done something. So, you know, persona non grata. I don't think that's a very fair standard with which to hold anybody to account. Um, and, you know, whether whether there was or wasn't, there were certainly rumors going around. And so then if you if you accept the premise that maybe some of the rumors are true, maybe they weren't, are you allowed redemption? Right. Or is it kind of like, hey, man, you had a rumor about you that wasn't great. Done. You're not allowed to do anything else again. Well, or, you're talking about cancel, you, you're talking completely about cancel culture right now. When, well, no, I'm saying, you know, so, you know, is Evander Kane who by all accounts comes to Edmonton, is doing a lot of charity work, meeting with kids, going to events, going out there. And, and your view of that was he shouldn't be allowed to do any of that because there were allegations in the past. And I don't think that's a fair standard. I think that, you know, whether, you know, one, we're talking about somebody who nothing ever got proven, right? He got custody of his child. Like there, there's, you know, he did go through, through bankruptcy and he had it hard, hard growing up. There's certainly some stories there. So whether or not we want to say, well, sorry, you can't come out. You can't come to the Elks game. We don't want to promote you. Okay, but you're putting words in my mouth and you're definitely generalizing what my comments were that time. Okay, and well, to give context to then. all the other conversations that I was having in that. And I tried to say to you, listen, JC, my feelings right now and my anger isn't really directed at exactly this conversation. Can we please stop talking about it? But of course you carried on. I um, stopped talking. I, I stopped talking about there, it. You bring it up here on, element, on Real There's a talk. reason why the group chat is called Actually Assholes. That's the name that of the, the title of the chat. Because one day I said, actually, assholes, you can go. And I left the group for a while and then came you back. Did you did leave for a while. Yes, and I would I like to give Real Talk yeah. credit for bringing you back. Yes, and, you did. And, and providing But nonetheless, I want to just correct Safe what JC is saying. Because there is an element of innocent till proven guilty, et cetera, et cetera. You know, in the, the case that we were talking about, it wasn't just a rumor or two. And yes, it was frustrating to me as a woman who's having to listen to all of these conversations and all of these men, sorry, say things to me and not talking about Evander Kane specifically, but other things that are happening in the world. Who cares? She was fine. It's not a big deal. This person has lots of money. Go do these things. Like that in that moment, I did say, why does every big organization in the city feel like they need to step up and help somebody? He, Evander Kane is using Edmonton, you know, and he's doing a good job and he's re rehabilitating himself and let him come to this community and let him work hard and let him prove who he is. That's fine. But why do we have to see all these big organizations step up and help him when it was the home opener of the Elks? So many other amazing things were going on. You know, they had military appreciation, appreciation night. They had all these things. And it just was the thing that really set me over the edge on top of your asshole comments that you wouldn't stop. And I actually I, I begged you to stop because I'm like, we're going to not be friends anymore. This is not it was an just one of those reflection. things. Yeah. So don't generalize what I was saying because I, I agree with you and I understand it's very complex and he was never charged with anything and it's people have their stuff. But in that moment and that tweet and everything that was coming down on me, I ju it just set me over and I felt for every single person. And I did ask you if Harmon was talking about racism, would you just brush it away like you're brushing away the Evander Kame thing? And you mm -hmm. didn't comment. Okay. Well, we can we can have that conversation again. This isn't about whether or not you know, like a rumor about somebody. Oh, somebody, I heard a rumor somebody was racist in the past. There was never anything proven. And now that person can never be. I'm not a talking about facing. specifically you know, that. I just, he, in general, if we the, were talking the, about racism the, the, the and not sexual being, assault against women, would you just brush it away the way I, you were brushing it? I don't think away? I'm brushing it away. Again, what we're talking about is unproven allegations. And so I think part of it is. With unproven allegations, what do you do, right? And so it's a tough one, sure. Welcome Absolutely. To my world. If this exactly. was last week, then, you know, hey, there's still this active thing, you know, and, and okay. And then 
the second question is, are you ever allowed redemption? Are you, are you ever allowed to say that was me in the past and I'm going to use my celebrity status to get out into a bunch of organizations and promote Edmonton? You know, the, the reason that he is, these big organizations are putting him out is because the people of Edmonton. We love the Oilers. Love the Oilers. We they love, love the him. The, you know, the, the CEO of the Elks isn't putting him front and center on opening night like as a favor, he's doing it because no, the he's people using of him Ed- to give himself more. There's a perceived benefit for the Elks. Elks because the people of Edmonton have given him. There were so many other amazing things that he could have been talking about. And that's what he chose. And that's the picture he chose. And that was extremely frustrating. Yes, you can rehabilitate yourself. Everyone the screws up. The people of Edmonton love the Oilers not, like, and there was no other Oilers there. Up. You can right? rehabilitate yourself. Every, everyone has a chance. I, am. I just didn't understand why big organizations have to step in and give them a lift up when there were so many other things on top of you being an asshole and everything else that was happening wow. that day. So. <laughs> I, don't I, think, will, I don't think it was that bad. My, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't you guys my can help mind. Me out Maybe everything's timing, right? And Jesus. I tried to say to you, like, but this is in the group chat. We never get a chance to hash it out like this. Uh, just the four of us, right, guys? <laughs> just the, the four, four of us. <laughs> I'm trying to decide where to take this because I want to circle back on the stampede and, and bring our focus back there, and I will. Um, I want to talk about what you would do if you were the CEO or somebody else associated with the Edmonton Elks because it's an absolute disaster right now. But on celebrity redemption, there's another story that's been in the news, and I'm just curious to pick your brains before we bring it more local again. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey acquitted by a London jury. He says, uh, he thanked the jury, he said, for taking the time that was necessary to analyze the evidence. Now, he's obviously one of the great actors of his generation, and so you never know when he's bullshitting and when it's real in front of cameras. I said to this audience, keep in mind, he's an actor, right? I don't know, and and we had messages. uh, uh, Real Talker Kristen reached out to me and said, keep in mind, not guilty doesn't mean innocent. There's a lot of people, but the fact of the matter is the court found him not guilty. He was acquitted of all charges, of nine charges. He says that there are filmmakers. He says there's money waiting to be deployed. He says people are eager to get him back to work. Can Kevin Spacey go the way of, I don't know if Mel Gibson's a good example because Gibson never really recovered, but he's working. You think Kevin Spacey will work again in Hollywood, Harmon? Well, I mean, that last season of House of Cards definitely would have been better with Kevin Spacey there. Um, you know, obviously very talented actor, very talented at what he does. Uh, you know, and I think I want to reiterate the comment that was made by one of um, you know one of the viewers, which is being not guilty doesn't mean that he's innocent, right? The a criminal standard is a much higher standard. And whether or not Kevin Spacey engaged in activities or, you know, kind of violated, um, you know, people's boundaries or, you know, uh, was not necessarily seeking consent for a lot of what he did. Um, I think it's still, it's still something that that's out there. You know, does Hollywood love a redemption story? Absolutely. You know, uh, and so, you know, would I be surprised? There has not been enough reckoning when there is actual wrongdoing. You know, we thought in this country when it came to things like, you know, massive institutions like hockey, you know, especially junior hockey, where you had these big issues and scandals with sexual abuse um, of young players by coaches and people in positions of power. And yet here we are again talking about Hockey Canada, you know, in in the news recently, um, you know, you saw that potentially there's players in the NHL who will be suspended. Again, that's allegedly um, something that might be coming up. But 
there's people at Hockey Canada who knew about what was happening there as well. And yet we, we went through this in the 90s, in the 2000s. But there was no actual accountability. There was no actual reckoning that happened in a lot of these institutions that exist in this country. And I look at, you know, the Calgary Stampede. I look at, you know, the Edmonton Oilers and I say... When is there ever real accountability for them, you know, not actually taking responsibility? And I look at the stampede and say, well, we've got politicians out here who are, who are, who are criticizing others saying, well, you know, um, don't bring that up. You're, you're political grandstanding. Ron Leipert accusing George Shaw of, of grandstanding. And what a word to choose, by the way. Right, exactly. Right? The grandstand show. Like, I just thought that was a really, uh, Ron Leipert, I, I thought he really stepped in one there. And I mean, are we not going to be worried about the victims of 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 this like right? heinous activity? Like, is this not what the conversation? Can we not is? all get on the same page that when there are seventy complainants, seventy what do you call them when someone signs onto a class action? What are they called? Complaintive. Oh. Yeah, we call them complainants. When yeah, there's when, when there's seventy people attached to a class action and it is settled by the stampede, right? The stampede didn't tell them to pound sand. Stampede isn't challenged. They settled it. Well, they paid out. Everything other than they just not agreed on not punitive, punitive damage. damage. That's it. Yet. That's the only part that's still yep. out there in dispute. So what they should pay because they actually, you know, uh, should be punished for what they did. That's the amount that's left. What do you think be. it should be? We're Off the top of your head. $100 million. Yeah. Million, million and a half per person. Per person. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, for them covering this up, for them gaslighting victims for decades. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That, that needs to be significant. And, you know, I think, for us dealing with these things, Kevin Spacey, you know, kind of an individual, you have to look at the institutions, right? How are these institutions actually dealing with these issues and are we actually holding them accountable? Well, industries and organizations need to make a choice. We can, because again, these conversations keep coming up. It's like, well, we could do nothing and we could let Kevin Spacey come back because he's going to make us lots of money. He's a great actor. Or we can make the hard choice that says, no, we won't stand for that. We I don't will know not. if Kevin Spacey would make them a lot of money. Like, I don't know if members of the public would be down for that. Do you know what I mean? Well, and that's the point. But I think that... Although everybody listens to Chris Brown's music still. Well, so. and every time I hear one of his songs, I change it. And I'm me like, too. no, I'm going to do... And it, to, to, someone said to me, well, to what extent? Like, if I said something to that person, I called them on it. What to, is it ever going to change anything? And yes, the only way we change things, whether it's race or homophobia or when it comes to sexual abuse and assault, is like little by little and little tiny choices that we all have to make. So do I think they should bring them back? No. But will they? Probably. Mm. Someone will. Um, you know, people are people here have a lot to say about the Calgary Stampede, and, and I appreciate those comments. And Real Talkers, I, I know for a lot of you, you know, the, you put these comments in the live chat, and then they just kind of, they, they, they disappear because it, you know, it moves fast. If you, if you want to, if, if you're putting some thought into this, if you're wrestling with it over the weekend, you can always send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Sharon says that stampede story just makes me so angry. Uh, Bunny Slippers says, where's Take Back Alberta? Screaming, protect our kids on this one, right? Where is the protect our kids crowd? Where's Theo Fleury? Where's Paul Brandt? Where's, you know, um, Ken says, if a stampede board member simply asked themselves if their actions would be different if it was their child, and the answer is yes, then they failed. And Sylvia touches on what you did, Jenny. She says, I wonder how exactly exhausted the public is about this issue it seems that the sexual abuse scandals are never ending uh which is a, a bit of a gut punch because sylvia i, th I think you're on to something uh, let's turn the page let's let's bring it back to the edmonton elks they've set a, a record a, a, a dubious distinction as as holding the the uh, the longest home losing streak of any professional oh, sports God. franchise in north america um i mean like once you're losing 20 games in a row at home over the course of four years, 
Uh, people are going to start asking real questions. Uh, the team's made a change with the offensive coordinator, the new offensive coordinator, telling uh, TSN the other day they're going to make a change at quarterback. Maybe that will change the on-field outcome, but you can't ignore the fact that there's 10% of the people in the stands that used to be there. And some sports columnists and business columnists are starting to ask uh, perhaps an even more difficult or or bigger picture question and that is can this team even make it to the end of the season it's a community owned team uh is its future in doubt how serious is this Harmon? how are you perceiving this story well so the day they set this record was south asian night at the elks and so you're trying to bring in a new audience, a new group of people, yeah. a new fan base. And so the Elks did a phenomenal job of trying to engage with community, recruit people from community to come and you know kind of engage with this product. I commend Victor Q for what he was doing to do outreach every single game, trying to improve the atmosphere. But when the product is so poor, when, when you go there and they set a record for home losses, I'm sorry, but you're not going to get new people to connect with the sport. The CFL generally is dying. This is a dying league. It is a dying sport. The fan base is aging. The league has to change. The government refused to bail them out. They have to fix their own problems. Should the government have bailed out the CFL? Absolutely not. 100%. Absolutely not. You know, people don't want to put their children into football anymore. You know, concerned about, um, you know, concussions, concussions and um, trauma to the brain. I mean, you watch NFL training camps and you see like the big bubble uh, helmets because even the NFL is now starting to recognize, you know, that they don't need to take this needless uh, damage in preseason. But the NFL is still the biggest sport by a mile in the States. Absolutely. But are people and our parents actually putting their children into it in Canada? I don't absolutely, I see that not happening. And so for, for the CFL, I mean, it's just a poorly executed product. It's just not entertaining. I rather go down to watch the Riverhawks. I take my children to the, the, the basketball, to the Sting, um, I, which is a singers, which is a phenomenally entertaining product. You've seen guys from Edmonton make it to the NBA. Um, you know, ish, which is kind of a, ish. Well, he had a cup of tea. Yeah, would <laughs> had a cup of tea. I'm not here to crap on anyone's NBA dream. I'm just saying, you know. Well, and, and the, it was just a small fact check. Well, and the problem for the Elks is that you you have the you know you've got the XFL coming back, you got the USFL in the states, which means American talent's not coming up to Canada. We're relying on a smaller a talent pool, which is diluting the product on the field. The CFL has a crisis, which is it's just not good enough. It's not interesting enough. Nobody cares for it. Um, and I don't think that you can put that on Victor Q. I don't think you can put that on the board. Uh, that is a bigger problem that they're not wrestling with. They should have just handed it over to The Rock. When The Rock came in and Dwayne Johnson's like, you know, I'm going to save you guys. He, they should have let him save them. Um, you know, because at least he had some new ideas. I, I, the, you know, Vince McMahon, bring Vince McMahon into this because this is just not entertaining. It's not Victor Q's fault. Yeah, it's. And it could be too little too late for the CFL, right? It's just, like you said, it's if, if folks aren't putting their kids in football and that's not, so, you know, how are we going to, you know, if you had ever played it growing up and you're going to watch it, I mean, I don't know. It feels like the future is in a different sport. I, I just looked it up. So 12% decline even in the States in youth participation in football. Really? In the last five years. So. 12% in yeah. five years is that's huge. A lot. That's a lot. That's a ton. Um, I will say, and, and I want to say this for people listening on the podcast, because we did show it on, on our YouTube uh, episode here, but I should mention, because a lot of people in the live chat, it landed with them, a new indigenous logo that the Elks are rolling out. It's going to be on their helmets uh, next game. It's it's wonderful. Beautiful. And I would say, like, I've noticed, like, they're putting in a ton of effort. That, like you said, South Asian night. And they've, they've you know what? One that I thought was so fun is, like, they, they do their alumni of their cheer team. 
And you, you've you got like, you know, people that were involved in the Elks cheer team or, you know, Eskimos at that time in like the 50s and 60s that are wow. coming out. And it's fun. It's so fun. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to connect with something like if if me at 25 years old, when I can first kind of afford tickets on my own or at 35 years old, if I can maybe start thinking about season tickets or at 45 years old, if I can start thinking about maybe a box or maybe advertising my company on the sidelines or something like that, it typically starts with memories at five years old in the stands, well, right? It, That's the connection. Well, Ryan, and what I'll say is in our office, we've got uh, a lawyer, Jack Hopman. Hopman has been a season ticket holder for the Elks for the last 50 years. You know, this man is like 90 years old and he will come into my office and say, I'm not going to the game. It's not entertaining anymore. I don't care for it anymore. This is, he's been a season ticket. He's probably like number two, you know, when they look up how old these season ticket holders yeah. are. And he's not going to this ga- these games anymore. Like, it's just not entertaining. Well, it, I think we, maybe we have to stop pretending like the team's going to win. Like, let's just take that off the table. And I'm not a football enthusiast by any means, but I did the PR for the baseball team when Kate's bought it, uh, the Capitals, the first year. Yeah. So I saw the Oilers engine and how they bring down people to games and what the game day experience is like and how you bring the kids and the contest that you have and the celebrities throwing the first pitch and it is a grind to get people to come but that experience if you take the sport off and the competitiveness of it while they're trying to fix that i mean it's still a commonwealth stadium is a beautiful beautiful no, place terrible to place. Terrible no no place. no listen i wasn't done. Why we lost on a summer Cup? night yeah. on a summer night i'm not saying the facility i'm saying sitting outside on a summer night with sure. a beer and your friends oh, yeah. is a great place to be right to bring your kids the tickets aren't expensive like they've got the nuts and bolts and really focus on what that experience is if they're trying to continue to the survive. stadium experience is everything in live sports you know how it's set up how it feels having a track around that field absolutely destroys mm. the actual atmosphere because you you're so far from the big, yeah, absolutely you saw what happened in the argos you know when when toronto fc went into toronto and they built a purpose-built stadium for soccer why is the mls successful because they have purpose-built soccer specific stadiums okay that create closeness vibrancy and atmosphere mm. you do not have that in the cfl you've got this cavernous empty or like even in good times you could have filled well it's built it's built for seventy thousand, right which it's built makes for no the sense. commonwealth game this is an obsolete stadium we have no use for it i don't know why nobody's having this conversation we need to get rid of commonwealth stadium it's <laughs> unless luke unless luke combs is coming to town <laughs> Harmon's gonna run for mayor and oh, just start blowing no, not another like, campaign you know, for Harmon. but i had a, i had it yeah <laughs> <One> <laughs> this is finally it this is the issue this you know? is the he's issue he's, blow up. He's, he's found his hook <laughs> blow up uh, commonwealth stadium i, I sat Lose around my number Harmon. i sat around this table yesterday with a guy off the record the, the mic well it's, it, it's ish off the record i just won't say his name but he's convinced he's convinced that Daryl Cates is going to buy the Elks, that he's going to build a 35,000-seat stadium just north of Rogers Place off 104th Avenue in Edmonton, that he's going to revitalize the team, this, that, and the other. He's just absolutely convinced of this. And, and, and our conversation in 30 seconds went to where this one went, which is this is bigger than a conversation about the Edmonton Elks. This is a conversation about the league. And if somebody's... I don't know what, what stadiums cost. I mean, I'm assuming they cost maybe a tiny little bit less than a, than a hockey arena unless you try to put a roof over it. But at minimum Jared, you're a developer like what is a stadium's going to be 250 300 million at minimum right well, I think that's what Calgary's spending like a billion dollars a billion new, you know, so, so who there, in their right mind right now is going to invest with the purchasing the team with building a state who's investing a half a billion dollars in the CFL franchise right now absolutely nobody uh let's hard swerve to another it just feels like we're taking a big steaming pile on the 
capital city right now. But but I, I can't ignore either uh, that K-Day's numbers are down a big big chunk typically the edmonton's festival the 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 little brother to the calgary stampede um draws about three quarters of a million people this year it drew just over a half a million uh down a significant percentage organizers say that there were factors at play including the weather um you can't ignore that there was some pretty unflattering press around K days. The Yeg Wave account that Wave Instagram had nightly fight features. Bear, uh, people getting bear sprayed, bear sprayed yeah. and punched, and I mean, it was just I don't know. I mean, everybody I, I was for talking the record. To, I, I sorry. Every, everybody that I was talking to was talking about the fights at K days, but they've always happened. We all know that they used to happen oh, all the time. Always have happened. But Yeg Wave just exposed it for everyone else, and everybody was talking about that last week. Was those fights at K days? Every group chat I'm in was lit up with Yeg Wave videos. Well, and layered on with all of the crime and all the violence that is happening in Edmonton. I have to say, I wasn't here for the period uh, of the two weeks that K day was on. K days was on, but like holistically. Um, I love the brand this year. I thought it was fun and exciting. I love that they engaged the YWCA in the 50-50 and engaged more of the community. But maybe we just need to let our expectations of what K-Days is and what it means to our community go. Because, like, it's not the stampede. It's never going to be the stampede. It's expensive. Um, it's, you know, I'm not a huge fan, you know, of going there. It's it's not my thing. And it uh, maybe we just need to let it go and, and not make it. You mean just it, cancel it? Not just cancel stick it, a fork but in just it? our expectations. Like, just, like, it is just what it is. Just lower our expectations. It's a fair. It's Conver- like, Carnival. Yeah, conversely, Heritage Days does record numbers, right? Like maybe but that's, we, yeah, yeah, that's maybe we don't really need to put neat. so much emphasis on how well K Days yes, does. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. But hang on a second. Like if you're speaking, is there, I'm imagining they have a board of directors or something. Obviously, I mean, I don't know. I don't even it's know. Edmonton. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be invited to participate on it after this. But but uh, no, I, I don't have a, a axe to grind with K Days. But I just that you can't tell me that they wouldn't be concerned that attendance went from seven seventy five to five hundred and something. Oh, like for sure, they you should. know oh, if, if our podcast audience dropped by 35%, we would be hitting the panic button. They absolutely would be. And I mean, I do think that there's a number of external factors. I think that the crime and the violence in the city compacted with that account is keeping people away. They also didn't have the big name acts they sometimes bring in. I think that's for the concerts. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that was always pulling in maybe a different crowd, right? That isn't there for the, for the, for the carnival portion of it. Some bigger name music acts and you do that three or four nights and each of those pulls in an extra 15,000 people really and you start looking at the numbers and you it go, is. okay, it's that so wasn't expensive. so bad. So like if you're going to bring in like a big act, Johnny probably knows more about this than any of the rest of us, but what is Johnny to get a big band is like 200 grand, right? 150 grand. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, they had some good artists there. They had talk. That talk guy, is yeah, amazing. We, they had a lot of good artists, but I will agree that it's going down a bit. I also will say like you get 40,000 to 70,000 people anywhere there's going to be fights and I think I don't know if the incidents of Rose we don't have those numbers I'm looking for them here but like people are going to fight regardless and now everything's online so somebody gets bear mace somebody gets in a fist fight you immediately see it it gets retweeted a million times so I don't know if that has to do a lot with it but I will say that we decided not to go to K-Days this year and it's not because we out of safety or whatever but me and my partner there's just not a lot for us there I mean, unless you like rides and, uh, you know, fill in your face with foods that we don't really eat, 
I don't know. There needs to be more of a draw. I agree with Jared. There needs to be like some, maybe some bigger artists or like at least a huge headliner to maybe kick it off or yeah. something, you know? But um, if for a family, it's a $300 endeavor for sure. Yeah, I remember so I expensive. took 100 bucks one oh, time minimum. and I said, we're going to spend $100 and that's it. By the time we walked in, it was like 80 I'm like, okay. So when we were there, I'm like, I guess we're going to spend another 100 Your bucks. kids put their hat on. I know. And like, Dad, so I was, I was trying to keep it. Well, I think one of the things, like the big ideas are gone, right? With K-Days. Like the, the big rebrand, nobody's really trying to like do anything. We used to have the indie that used to kind of coincide with yeah. sure. K-Days. Like they were trying. Like they were trying to do big ideas. And I think K-Days has stopped trying to do the big idea and try to go too local this year. You know, maybe what carnivals really need is a Netflix series. It shows us the, the carnies, the, the carnies. Carny life? follow the, the carnies, or follow the carnies, as, as if that yeah, doesn't maybe. exist already. Did you? So you were you were just traveling in Europe. Did yeah. you see? They're, they're not technically carnies; they're they're food service workers. But did you see the two? Was it like in a little donut stand or something like a fry stand or something? Two workers, full on like NHL, like Bob Probert versus Ty Domi fist fight in the booth in the food booth like it's it's i've never seen video quite like it uh and and stuff like that like johnny and, and you're right you know you get a hundred thousand people in a place you'll have some disagreements but mm-hmm. but it, it's especially unflattering when it, it starts to become part of a trend or a perceived trend and then that becomes associated with the brand uh the cool thing about our live tuning audience is we can do sort of like unscientific polling right on the spot and we've got a bunch of people like lauren for example says food prices game prices are prohibitive for families Tony says that it's boring. They stopped doing all the fun stuff like pancake breakfast at the legislature or the promenade uh, downtown, you know, the parade. Tracy says the prices is what keeps us away. Um, So there's another one. A bunny slipper says it's ridiculously expensive to go. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of people here talking about price. Uh, So, you know, Alberta girl says a lot of people aren't going to go to Edmonton. Uh, Maybe Alberta girl living in a rural area. I'm assuming uh, says a lot of people won't go to Edmonton after they, uh, they destroyed Northlands, kicked the rodeo to the curb. Ran horse racing out of town. They're killing farm fare. Uh, Edmonton rebranding K Days was really stupid. That from Alberta girl who's telling us what she really thinks. Uh, before we go, uh, and and I've I've buried this at the end of our conversation for fear that it might actually be a little bit boring, but. I don't think that the three of you will make it boring. So help us care or help us understand whether or not we should care about the rumor that municipal politics could soon get more partisan in Alberta. If, if you have your finger on the pulse in political circles, people are talking about municipal. Essentially, uh, the party system that we see at the federal and provincial levels could make its way to city councils, to town councils and the like. Uh, whether or not it's realistic, whether or not it's realistic before the next election remains to be seen. But I'm sure that the three of you have some at least high level or preliminary thoughts on this. Uh, Jenny, you want to go first? Yeah, like you're definitely hearing uh, people talk about it and starting to get prepared for it. Um, Is it good or bad? I don't know. I think what would be bad is if the province decides that the only parties that can exist municipally are ones that currently exist provincially, Uh. meaning we'd have NDP local candidates running against UCP and potentially Alberta party. Um, because I think in Edmonton anyway, we are a slam dunk NDP city. And so anyone who is not, who wants to run for municipal politics, which has always been very independent, is going to be in a lot of trouble. And so I don't think it works for Edmonton, but maybe if you're the UCP strategically, that works for the rest of the province. If you're trying to, you know, have UCP uh, city councils all around town. Um, so that's one thing that that worries me. I think that 
candidates, if they want to run, need to find quality, uh, you know, people who know how to run elections more so than a party system. You need to find a JC because he gets all his friends elected. Uh, you need to find the a guy Harman, behind the guy, the except, guy behind the guy, except one. for Harmon. I missed one. I, That's Harmon's that fault. Was, that was, yeah. Because he fired me. Oh, my God. Um, so <laughs> um, I think you need to find qualified people who understand how to run elections. And we should put our energy towards helping candidates know how to run an election rather than a party system in Edmonton, in my opinion. I think a party system is great. I think it's absolutely fantastic. You know, I think if we step back and we look at how democratic systems around the world are run, right? You know, we all take it for granted that we've got these parliamentary systems with parties. I mean, when these were all being come up with, you know, in the in the, you know, the enlightenment period, it was a lot of, you know, people thinking through these things very hard and the reason we have the system we have is not by accident, right? It's, it's because it's a good system. Um there's a few things why I why I think a party would be really good and, and whether or not we get into, you know, which parties and everything. There's a few things going on. So one of the big things I've noticed at City Hall over the last 10 years is if you if, around City Hall 10 years ago, there, there were a bunch of reporters. Right. And there was a bunch of journalists and there was a bunch of people paying attention to City Hall. And there is a certain level of accountability to both the politicians and the administration when there's a bunch of eyes on what they're doing day to day. You go to City Hall now, there's like maybe nobody, maybe one person. That is really bad for just the, the absolute Democracy. you know day-to-day -day yeah. running of, of, of Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Now, a party system introduced partisanship, and there are certainly some bad things about that, but one of the good things it will do is it creates a level of accountability. So right now, if you're on city council, you've got very little incentive. You don't have a machine behind you. You don't have a team that you're involved with like you would in a party. You see something, you want to make a big deal out of it, you know, the, the counselor, you know, because sometimes you're going to vote with them, sometimes you're not. But if they were on they were on a different team and your team said, you know, Armin Candola, the counselor, um, you know, maybe he's he's or the mayor probably would be the best example. The mayor, the majority of council, they're on a different team. I now have a strong incentive with which to hold them into account, try to make them look bad. I'm going to be looking for stuff be digging stuff up. I'm going to be trying to figure out what's going on. I'm going to be feeding stuff to the media. And so there's a level of accountability that can happen when you've got a party system and a party team. So that's one of the big reasons I love a party. The other one is, you know, a, a democratic system needs to allow the voters to express their preferences. And I think probably the biggest issue I've got right now with the, the city of Edmonton, we see this in the voter numbers, like twice the number of people in a provincial election in Edmonton will vote than in a municipal system. And I think it is very difficult for the average Edmontonian to express their preferences. Who knows what's going on in city council? You don't know what your ward is called. You don't know who your councillor is. You probably know the mayor. Votes go this way, votes go that way, stuff's happening, and, and you don't know, right? And it's not to say that a party system is this wonderful thing and that suddenly with the party system, everyone's going to start paying attention. But if they don't, you know, if if Amarji Sohi is the head of the, the, or, the red team and you don't like how things are going, you're going to vote for the blue team, right? And, and so you can kind of express your preferences in a way that I just don't think people know how to. And I think you see that in why there's only, you know, 30% 30, 30 of people will vote. Hmm. And so, you know... And, you know, so there's those two things. And the other one is you build a team, you build something, right? So you're a counselor now, it's just you and an island, right? Your fundraising's on an island. You got to start fundraising from scratch if you're going to, you know, try to take out an incumbent. There's massive incumbency bias. 
And if you got a party, you got a machine, you got some continuity, you got some people who know how to run campaigns, and you can probably attract better candidates. Right now you sit down with somebody and you're like, you wanna run for city council, you're starting from scratch. Yeah. You're starting from zero. And you're gonna get paid barely anything and you're gonna give up your weekends and your free time and people are gonna roast you. And yeah. I mean, those things don't change. Why did you run for council? Why do you running for things? Public service. job, man? Public service. That's right. Public service or your ego. Maybe Oh my God, Debbie. Shooting. Just kidding. We all with have every egos. politician is a bit of both. With every politician is our giant egos. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're a guy that was going to put his money where his mouth is. You wanted one of those jobs. What do you think about it? No, I think JC has kind of captured a lot of the benefits. Um, but the concern is what, you know, what Jenny's kind of raised, which is you're bringing partisanship um, that is, you know, along the same lines as what is there provincially and federally, I think would be um, something that, that wasn't beneficial. But you you see this work quite you know you see it work in BC mm-hmm. um, where they do have you know uh, parties and coalitions. Um, typically, a lot of times on municipalities, you you have informal slates. Uh, but I, I think creating and helping the public be able to express their preferences, like JC said, is extremely important. It's very difficult for you know voters to understand you know what they are voting for and what the issues really are. Um, and and I think a lot of times. But, you know, having a better way to kind of digest municipal politics, especially without having journalists there, is, is going to be really important. So allowing for that space, I think, is is is, is beneficial for uh, for our, at least at the municipal level. Well, and the NDP certainly had a slate in the last election. So at least this would be more transparent about how, you know, these different parties are helping a group of candidates. Yeah, it was so, like a subtle slate. Yeah, it's like a it was subtle. Like a, we're going to give you our volunteers. We're going to give you lists. We're yeah. going to do all these things. And some good points, too, in the live chat. Ken says, now to explain to me how a city run by a majority party that doesn't uh, align with the provincial party will then get proper funding. It's bad enough already. Uh, which is an interesting no point. Air Mitch says Albertans vote identity, not issues, not qualifications. It's farcical to argue that parties would make local governments better, maybe get rid of them at the provincial level. I mean, that's not happening, but it's an interesting <laughs> point. Um, others say team politics is what's wrong with provincial and federal politics right now. Um, you know, uh, yeah, others are I mean, take back. Alberta keeps coming up here. Um, so that's an interesting point as well. Uh, David Parker's ignoring my emails all of a sudden. He said he was going to come on the show. I'm going to keep working on that one. Uh, just a casual call out there. <laughs> Text me back, bud. Uh, we've been hanging out with uh, Jenny Adams, Harmon Candola and uh, Jared Campbell on another uh, wildly entertaining and informative edition of the group chat roundtable. I appreciate the three of you being here. Um, if you want to hang out, feel free coming up in two minutes minutes we have a calgary stampede themed trash talk that has nothing to do with this sexual abuse scandal at least very little Uh, that's coming up from leslie in just a second but i want to tell you uh, first of all about a special right now for those of you that of course want to make sure that your pets at home in particular your dogs and your cats are getting the healthiest possible food if you're in the province of alberta that is grand dog essentials quality raw food you can find them online at granddog.ca make sure you check out under the shop now link their supplements as well there's a ton of stuff here i mean for example Moses, our 11-year-old boxer, is using that uh, four-leaf rover hip and joint supplement, uh, and we're seeing the results. We want that guy to have the best quality of life for the rest of his life, and we're trusting Grand Dog with a big part of that. Also, for the month of August, you can enjoy 14 bucks off turkey raw pet food, the 40-pound boxes. That's what we fill our freezer with using the discount code AUGUST2023 at checkout. Here's the deal. It's a blend suitable for dogs and cats of whole Alberta-raised turkey. That means it includes the organs and the bone that's sourced from human-grade facilities. So it's top quality 
uh, but made custom for dogs and cats. Again, the promo code is August 2023 at checkout at granddog.ca. So exciting for our family to see our landscaping project coming together. This is one that we saved up for. It's one that we've been planning for for a number of years, and now they've broken ground. We're trusting it to the team at Eden Landscaping. Even just yesterday, I'm texting Mike, and I'm like, hey, man, there's this kind of little detail here, and I was wondering if we get in. He says, don't worry. He says, remember the plan. The, the way that they deal with their clients, their personal touches are one of the reasons why we're so excited to be trusting for us what's a big investment to the team at Eden Landscaping. I'm giving them two thumbs up right now. If you have a project in your future this summer or next, visit landscapeedmonton.ca. Kubi Renewable Energy is hiring. That means if you're an electrician, uh, if you have your ticket, or if you're an apprentice and you're looking to hitch your wagon to a company that is leading the charge, pun pun fully intended, on Canada's green energy goals, you're going to want to check out kubienergy.ca. This is a company that cares about their employees to the point where they're investing in post-secondary opportunities. This is a company that is, uh, hey, I mean, they're obviously, you, you want to know their investment matching? You can contact them for details on that. Investment matching, what? Plus, ball hockey tournaments on Fridays. Harmon's eyes, eyebrows just raised. Ball hockey tournaments and cold beer on tap in the office. That's Kubi Renewable Energy. Get your next career step out on the right foot by visiting kubienergy.ca. Hey, if you're one of those Alberta families that right now is dealing with the gut punch that is cleaning up post-flood, maybe your basement sort of paid the price after those rainfall days last week, or, or maybe your community was impacted by wildfire like so many have been, If you're in the first stages of getting back on your feet, you're going to want to get in touch with Complete Care Restoration. Uh, This is a company that's been working in Alberta for more than 10 years, earning the trust of thousands of people that have, well, they've basically got their biggest investment back in the shape it needs to be. That's CompleteCareRestoration.ca. Your insurance policy quite likely lets you make the choice. Who's going to do the work? You're going to want to choose Complete Care Restoration. You can give them a call today at 780-454-0776. And before we get to Trash Talk, do you have August 10th circled on your calendar? That is the 2023 date for Miracle Treat Day. And our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to make sure that you're all set up, good to go in support of the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. Every cent that they collect from Blizzard sales on August 10th is going to the Stollery. So make sure you pop into a Dairy Queen in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road in Sherwood Park. Even better yet, get in touch with them ahead of time and order like 30 of them. Drop them off at your neighbors. Bring them into work, the kids' soccer game, whatever it is. They can have your advance orders ready to go on August 10th. And of course, all of this in support of the Stollery. A big shout out to the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Well, the last show that we do every week, and that is today, as we break for the August long weekend, our friends at Local Environmental Services give you a chance to blow off a little steam. Every single week, we read real emails received to talk at ryanjesperson.com. It's a tradition we call Trash Talk! All right, this one from Leslie, who says, Jess, I'm not sure if you'll ever read this on air. Oh, Leslie, you know I'm going to. She says, Ryan, I love real talk because it can make me feel super happy and sometimes sad and sometimes totally pissed off all in the same episode, sometimes in the same discussion. And your discussion of the Calgary Stampede and its appalling cover-up of child sexual abuse over the years makes me not a fan, to say the least. 
She says, but I got to talk about the animals for a second. She says, do your own research here, Jess, on the increasing number of animals that have died or suffered at the Stampede since its beginning, and especially in the Chucks. Almost every year for the last 30 years, horses are destroyed in those races. And yet every year, every freaking year, we hear from their owners and organizers about how much they love the animals and that the Stampede is working to do better. I call Bullshit, says Leslie. This year, for example, one of the hottest and smokiest days of the entire stampede. News channels telling us to keep our pets indoors. The smoke unhealthy for humans and animals alike. The chucks went on. I mean, as a matter of fact, they set a record for heat. Imagine those horses being pushed to their physical limit in that heat, their lungs sucking in all that smoke. How is this loving the animals? She says, and I have news for folks, a dog, a calf, a cow, they can feel fear. Would you put your soon to be terrified family pet in an arena to be chased and roped by an idiot on a horse while ignorant people are screaming out their lungs in glee? Why do people have so much trouble wrapping their minds around this? Why are people who call out the stupidity dubbed extremists? Have you ever wondered, Ryan, why the Calgary Humane Society has never fully spoken out against the Calgary Stampede when almost every other concerned organization in Canada, including the Vancouver SPCA, is actively campaigning against the Stampede Rodeo? Money comes to mind, she says, and now this, now this story of the abuse cover-up. When you said 70 people attached to that class action lawsuit were involved, I was shocked. She says, my heart breaks for these young people. Years ago, I provided after-school care for a youngster who was performing that year in the grandstand show. It makes me sick to think that that child or any other child could have been faced with a predator of that nature when that event should have been a fun and fabulous experience to remember for the rest of their lives. Leslie says, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not completely against the stampede. I went a couple times uh, a couple of years ago, but I would never go to the rodeo. I just think it would be a better show celebrated without that rodeo and abuse. You know, human or animal is not excused or covered up. It just shouldn't be. They need to be held more accountable. But people so easily forget, like our roundtable said today, or turn their heads because the truth hurts and the truth can be uncomfortable. That's why I love real talk. And it's why I'm grateful that you have uncomfortable discussions as well as the fun ones. You know, the idea that once we know better, we do better. And that has far greater value than money. Thank you for giving a voice to the unheard. She says, that said, I'm still waiting for you to get one of the most amazing, talented, hilarious, educated Albertans on the show. For Frick's sake, she says, hurry up and book Jan Arden, would you? That from Leslie. Leslie, thanks for that. Landed it on the tree and everything. You can send us your trash talk to talk at ryanjesperson.com and you can get a quote on garbage, recycling, water hauling, portable toilets, fence rentals, and more by visiting localenvironmental.ca. When we're back on Tuesday, we'll check in with the Titan of Talk, Charles Adler. Plus, we're going to learn more about Alberta going net zero and why are electricity prices about to go sky high. Have an amazing and safe August long weekend. And thanks for being a part of Real Talk. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Terry Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola. Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux 
home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.